Welcome to Risk Roundup. As digital global age necessitates increasing levels of connectivity, mobility, privacy, and security, physical identity is on its way to being replaced or supplemented by evolving digital identity and authentication applications of biometric technology. Despite the seemingly enormous potential of biometric technology, its implementation is creating complex process and policy challenges largely due to the scale of deployment and from the need to protect collected data from abuse and misuse while being collected, processed, stored, and accessed. Each of these data journey steps bring nations few knowns and mostly unknowns that are too complex to manage. Despite many complex technology, data, process, and policy limitations, Many nations have begun introducing several applications of biometric-based identification and authentication, and even attempting to make it intelligent and autonomous. While the introduction of biometrics affects the way human society is evolving towards a knowledge-based information and intelligence age and poses a number of complex technical process, people, and policy challenges, they need to be addressed in the near future if the evolving process and policy is to shape the identi identification and authentication application of biometrics rather than react to it. To discuss complex process challenges of autonomous human recognition identification system based on biometric technology implementation, I'm delighted to welcome Professor Anupam Saraf to Risk Roundup. Professor Saraf is a systems thinker and thought leader at Symbiosis Institute of Computer Studies and Research based in India. Welcome, Professor Saraf. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. My pleasure. Wonderful, Professor Saraf. So what do you think is driving this trend towards autonomous human recognition identification system? If it was a smaller scale, you know, experiments happening uh, for some uh, organizations or, you know, some governments, but this is like, you know, we are seeing implementation on a large national scale. So are we ready for that? Well, I think basically there has been a lot of confusion about the idea of identification. And I think primarily people uh, coming from a technology standpoint have been using the words authentication and identification synonymously. So when you actually use computers or machines in order to match something, some data that you provide to the machine, what you're doing is you're actually authenticating the information with what you have stored you're not actually identifying something. Identification is a process which requires a real person with responsibility of identifying the other person who is being identified to be co-present. Let me give you a simple analogy. So if you were to look at a lock, which, which you open with a key, the lock authenticates the key which is able to open the lock but the lock can never tell who holds the key. So there is no identification that the lock can ever undertake. The lock can only authenticate a key. Now this is important to recognize because when the lock cannot identify somebody, you can have obtained a key which is by simply duplicating a key, by stealing a key, by borrowing a key, anybody can actually open the lock. It need not be the person who is entitled to open the lock who's going to open the lock. So the huge amount of security implications arise out of this confusion that has happened by treating authentication and identification synonymously. Sure, but uh, that is a fair point. But uh, let, let's look at China. They have implemented facial recognition technology, right? So the artificial intelligence is able to quickly identify, you know, based on the points, you know, uh, facial recognition system that which person is where at what time. So if let's say, for example, we talk about India, everyone's retina scan is done, everyone's fingerprint is done. So retina scan. Now, you know, the computer can match easily whose retina scan, you know, is what. So 
but you are right that authentic normally it is about authentication when you want to government wants to provide services or bank services needs to be accessed or anything that 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 is authentication but let's say there is a terrorist and that terrorist you know his uh, his or her you know retina scan is there now you know if you if, if there is a system that is now autonomous then it is very easy to identify where is that terrorist at what time depending on the where we have different locations where the retina can be scanned so identification can happen simultaneously too depending on the need for it so while you know the what we are seeing right now is about authentication the identification is also emerging simultaneously and it will be very important feature of all this biometric technology implementation so that is what we are seeing you know with china that you, you anybody can you know locate anyone that they are trying to look for at any particular time and we will be seeing that uh, as more and more uh, different kinds of biometric technology is implemented nobody is going to be able to remain private where each individual any person of interest where that person would be at what time would be very easy to access now that will depend on a lot of sensors being implemented all across country or all across world but we will be able to see that in the coming years now again that will all depend on global standards and the fact that you know each country is implementing the similar you know uh, biometric technologies all across nations then we'll be able to create a global database and we'll be able to locate and track where any individual uh, person of interest is at what time and that's where you know the huge identification uh, system that will be emerging and uh, hopefully that would help you know keep uh, terrorism and some of the criminals in check but at the same time it will it will also create a, a huge you know mass surveillance system all across nations but we still have you know some time to go uh, before we see the huge implications so from your assessment what will be the impact of human recognition identification system implementation on the society i mean irrespective of whether it's india or china or anywhere else well so i think basically uh, again the issue is that you know recognition image recognition video recognition or text recognition is not identification it's matching identification as i keep on saying requires somebody to take responsibility so even when you use let us say image recognition as in the case of china in order to recognize people while they are walking on streets and to try and trace the pattern or the path taken by an individual across uh, a territory what you're doing is if the machine is doing this the machine cannot say whether this is actually an impersonator or it is the real person it cannot actually take the decision of saying that i actually identified mr x or mrs y the machine can say i actually matched the pattern and it seems to be a 90% match or a 95% match so when you do a transaction whatever the transaction may be let's take a banking transaction so in the case of a banking transaction when you go to withdraw your money or when you go to deposit money if it were a machine which were to identify you it would not be actually identifying you it would be matching the image presented to it and saying that this image matched yes and i think it's important to recognize that when the machine is doing this matching there is no person taking legal responsibility or liability of any fraud which takes place or any error which takes place so let us take this case of uh, surveillance that you were talking about and if you were to actually talk about using by uh, facial recognition in order to track uh, persons of interest there is a significant chance that you are going to make machine error and that significant chance is going to actually hurt innocent people yes i hear your point i hear your point on that and that's an excellent uh, uh, point that you are making because it is much, like you said machine can only match right i mean if it's a retina scan it would match that if it's fingerprinting so it would say that yes these and these fingerprint match but again at the same time 
there could be a lot of errors and what you are bringing up the topic of whether we have that legal framework or how we, whether we can prevent that kind of uh, damage or hurt to innocent people that uh, remains to be seen so you are right about that point that's an excellent observation yes so so actually what happens is that every identification process requires that you choose the attributes which are important for identification for that transaction not every transaction requires you to use the same attributes of a person so let me give you a few examples most day to day uh, you know examples of identification simply involve you saying your name to the other person and the other person observes you and remembers some feature about you and your name and that for most day to day interaction in society is sufficient in a business context you often go to meetings and you exchange visiting cards these visiting cards serve sufficient to provide additional attributes about yourself which the person can store and recall to associate it with your place of work or your contact number or your email so uh, that suffices for a lot of lot of uh, social and business interactions that we have when we go to make transactions in a bank the bank needs to identify you more reproducibly so therefore they actually choose what are the parameter what are the attributes that they are going to identify for you when they issue out a mechanism to identify you again so whether they're going to actually capture your photograph and keep it within their system whether they're going to actually capture your signature and keep it within the system because at the next time that you interact with the same bank maybe at a different branch or maybe with a different officer of the bank they do not need to reidentify you they actually have they know how they have onboarded you they have captured the attributes that are essential for the transaction and they can use those in order to make sure that they are transacting with somebody who is the same individual now you cannot delegate this to a machine what you can do is the machine can say that i have authenticated the person but and support a person who is supposed to identify you but you cannot do away with the person whose responsibility it is to identify you every transaction requires human responsibility to identify so no. yes no no i i hear your point on that uh, that human involvement will need to be there until we figure out you know a better more effective way that hopefully machines can take over but why do we even need to go that path do we that, that is the also a bigger question that we need to answer that is that absolutely essential do we want the machines and computers to help us make this process more efficient more cost effective or do we want to replace humans to uh, so that you know machines can take over so th those are bigger questions that we need to answer as a society that what path we are choosing and why we are going on this path you know and how it is going to make our uh, society better or more efficient or more uh, you know we can say, be more cost effective or you we can do things in a more timely manner so those are many different questions that we will need to uh, answer as a society before we go on this path of replacing humans and replacing and taking and uh, letting machines take over some uh, many aspects of the jobs that we are trying to do but again you know that's the topic of another discussion from a design perspective what needs to change for a future society where we have this kind of uh, authentication identification uh, and surveillance of whatever you know the nature of the uh, initially that we are trying to launch for the human recognition uh, in many different ways that you know we are trying to use it in many different ways yeah so i think increasingly people have become very mobile and when you have a mobile society you find that you are interacting more and more with people who you did not know and therefore there is a need to establish 
some way of identifying them for repeated transactions. So if you want to economize your efforts at identifying a person over again, then you need to create a mechanism for identification. So in the absence of a clear scientific framework for identification, all efforts become ad hoc and simply center around what seems to be a solution of efficiency rather than a solution of identification. So recognizing this and recognizing that world over identity documents are becoming increasingly important because of this mobility. In 2016, me and my colleagues actually developed and published a framework for creating identification documents. So this framework clearly identifies what are the essential ingredients that a good identification document needs to have. So I'll just explain in brief what this framework is all about. So at the very first step, to create an identification document, you identify the attributes that you want to track. And then when a person actually is being identified, you note those attributes or the individual who's going to identify this individual and issue the document notes these attributes and creates an identification document. As a second step, this person certifies the attributes which have been noted. So the identification document gets certified. So if we were to even look at a very simple college ID document, it is the college administration, there would be a clerk in the office who would identify that this person is on my rolls. And then once they capture that this person has enrolled within my system, and I can, this is the photograph of the person who is enrolled, this is, uh, these are their attributes, that person or the head of the administration or the principal or the director of the institute will actually certify that this identification document has been issued by us. After this happens, any time that this identification document is produced for use to a third party or even within the institute, somebody will actually want to verify that this indeed is an authentic ID issued by the person who says it has been issued by. So if there is no means to actually authenticate the genuineness of this document, then this identification document has no value. Furthermore, sometimes identification documents get lost or they can be easily created by other people. And therefore to ensure that you are able to restrict use of documents which have got lost or stolen, you need to be, have a mechanism to stop the use of stolen documents or stop the use of documents which may not be genuine or which may have circulated beyond what they were needed to be circulated. So if there is no such mechanism for the ID identification document, it poses a great risk to the organization which depends on this identification document. Beyond this, what, what is important is that there has to be a third party who audits this entire process and says that yes, in the identification, somebody, the process was indeed followed. In the certification, there is indeed a process which ensures that you cannot fake a certification. When you want to authenticate the document, there is a process which will allow the clear authentication of this document. And there is a process which allows us to actually stop this document from being misused by our third parties. Also beyond this, because all the data which is captured in an identification document can change. It needs to be updated from time to time. And if a document has to be updated, 
for its photograph or for its address or email ID or mobile number or anything else or biometrics, then there has to be a trail of what was updated and by whom and when. So if this kind of a trail is not available with an identity document, then you have no idea about whether this document was updated by a third party who should not have updated it and whether the data it contains is genuine or fake. So all good identification documents have to follow this framework. Yes, I mean, I, that's a fair analysis and I can see your point. So now if you look at uh, the Aadhaar Act implementation in India, they have focused on uh, two different uh, biometric uh, variables. One is the retina scan and one is the fingerprint. Now, uh, based on what you are saying that, you know, yes, of course, we need uh, third party verification. But each of this step, you know, when the uh, data was recorded, where it was recorded, uh, where the retina scan was taken, who took it and, you know, who authenticated it and who uh, audited it and, you know, who certified it and all those steps who collected data, where the data is going, you know, where, how secure the data is while it is in transit and where it's going to be stored and then who has access to it. So all these different steps of the data journey that once it is collected will have to be very, you know, thoroughly, you know, kept track of it and, you know, audited and secured. Uh, so there are a lot of security and privacy challenges that will emerge from that. So. Uh, what you talk about the framework at organizational level, we also need a framework at a national level. If we are implementing, you know, this kind of uh, uh, Aadhaar Act, you know, for a whole entire country. So based on what you see in India, based on how this whole Aadhaar Act implementation has gone, which area do you see requires the priority that, you know, we need to focus on that for to ensure that there is no misuse or there is no abuse of the data that is collected and that the system will remain, you know, secure and uh, will provide the benefits and uh, security and efficiency that the government was hoping to get uh, provide. So uh, you're absolutely right. You know, Aadhaar is a big point of concern and as a national ID that it, you know, projects itself to be, uh, I think the first point of concern is that the entire enrollment process has happened through private parties. And there is uh, no verification of identity that has actually happened. Uh, so firstly, because no clarity of purpose for which it would be used was put together, therefore, uh, nobody really took the responsibility of saying that I certify the attributes which are being captured by the private party. So neither the biometric nor the demographic data which has been captured by the private party is certified by anybody, not the government agency, the unique identification authority of India, nor by the private enrollment agency. So if you do not have a certified biometric or a certified demographic data associated with this number, this data is meaningless because there is no person, no institution, no authority which stands to say that this biometric associated with this number belongs to you. So therefore using that and because there is no mechanism for anybody to actually know who uploaded this data, what was the basis for uploading this data? Who stands by it? So tomorrow, if I were to simply collect together the phone book of, let's say, New York and, you know, issue out cards based on the names and the, you know, phone telephone numbers in the phone book of New York and say this is an ID, uh, I think uh, it would be absolutely absurd, right? Everybody would say this is a completely meaningless ID. Who stands by this ID? So Aadhaar is similarly absurd because nobody stands by this ID. The unique identification authority of India does not sign and put its seal to say we certify the biometric and demographic data associated with this number 
belonging to this person. Really? Yes. Nobody is authenticating. Nobody is standing by that. Then why issue? And then who is in control? And who is accountable for this whole system? Well, so this is uh, this is the story of the emperor's new clothes. So sadly, just like legendary uh, robes of the emperor, which did not exist, the I identification ability of Aadhaar does not exist. What everybody believed was because biometrics is being used, it is going to be unique. And therefore, everybody will have a unique identity. What people didn't recognize is for identification, you need to have somebody stand by and say, I have captured your biometrics and I certify that these are your biometrics. So tomorrow, anybody making use of those biometrics finds that these were not my biometrics, but somebody else's will actually be able to hold the person who certified it responsible. That is how identification works. So for example, if you were to use a driver's license, the driver's license is signed by the officer who has actually issued the driver's license. And if it is found that the information on the driver's license is false, it would be the officer who issued the driver's license who would be responsible for the fake information, unless it was a forged driver's license. So it's very important to recognize that Aadhaar has no such discipline. Aadhaar has no such ability to actually certify the identity of any person. And why, shocking. why do you think that uh, they have gone that way? Why have they not taken uh, proper structure? They have why they haven't put together proper uh, legal framework or proper authentication framework uh, by the UIDI that you are talking about? Why they are not putting their seal and stamp on it? Well, so I think basically what happened was they wanted to create the world's largest biometric database and they wanted to be first at it and they wanted to be too large to fail. So they didn't really bother about what was happening as much as how fast it was happening and how large it was becoming. So I think that is the sad reality of how Aadhaar has come to be. So instead of actually examining and seeing whether the system we are building is a quality system, they actually just created a large monster. So if you were to look at, uh, you know, uh, it, 19 years ago, we had this big problem in the world called as Y2K. Yes. And Y2K was a simple thing that computer programmers did not think about putting four digits for the year and they simply stored two digits to mark a year. And therefore, they then said that, you know, this is going to create a huge problem for financial institutions, which have to calculate interest rates and do financial calculations based on the time elapsed. So you need to correct all your systems in order to make sure that you don't have a financial loss. Now, if you look at you know, uh, that was an exercise of complete uh, callousness on part of the designers who did not imagine that their software was going to be used beyond 1999. So in the same way, this system has been designed with tremendous callousness where they have not imagined how and where Aadhaar would be used and what it requires for identification. So I think this is a failure of design. Yes, failure of design and planning. You're absolutely right. So it seems from what you are telling me, it seems that there is no system. I mean, there is no trust in the system that has been developed. And do you see that the people of India, the citizens of India are trusting in this system or do you see lack of trust? Well, I think initially there was so much of hype because uh, 
UIDI spent huge marketing budgets. And I think uh, the founders and the creators of the Aadhaar system have been marketing WizKids. They have sold pet rocks, literally. They have sold the world uh, dreams. Uh, so therefore, this was a tremendously successful marketing exercise. But as a design exercise, it is a complete failure. And therefore, I think the initial uh, phase, because of the marketing success, there was a lot of trust and belief that this is going to be a solution to every problem of India. And then, of course, as what happens when something succeeds, it started overselling itself. And when it oversold itself, it actually created human tragedy across the country as people started getting excluded from their basic rights, including their ability to be to earn a livelihood because people would not be paid salaries. They wouldn't get pensions. They wouldn't get, you know, uh, scholarships. They wouldn't be able to do get admissions into colleges and universities. They wouldn't get uh, subsidies for food. They wouldn't get driver's licenses. They wouldn't be able to transact on properties or even get simple cell phones. And even as dramatic as you wouldn't be able to cremate your loved one if they did not have an Aadhaar which could be authenticated. So if you see this tragedy which flowed through the country in the last three years, uh, the complete faith in the Aadhaar system has collapsed. And people recognize that this has been like the emperor's new robes. It really is no clothing at all. It does not identify anybody. Yeah, I, hear, I, I hear your point on that because, see, I mean, the, to develop uh, any security, any system, whether it's biometric system or any system that uh, it's it's much more it's more about uh, when we are trying to secure them any system that we are developing it's then the traditional identification system because like we have been discussing we have to have a process in that that it provides a strong link between a physical person with their identity data and this means that the integrity of the linking process must be very high and uh, this will depend on the secure operation of each of the stages of the entire biometric identification process, like enrollment and storage and acquisition and matching. Each of these steps in the process, it needs to be a secure operation. So in addition, it also needs to rely on secrecy. And since most of these biometric features are either self-evident or can be obtained or duplicated, it, it creates very complex challenges. And since biometrics are only a part of the system, is it enough to secure the biometric system if the rest of the process remains open to circumvention? Because when you are trying to establish the whole new system, each of these steps is so very important, not only for uh, the efficiency, but also for the security, transparency, integrity. And... Uh, each of the, at each of these steps, so fraud can happen, and each, each of these steps can the data be abused or misused. So it, this entire process seems to be open to circumvention. Yes, I think basically there is a deeper uh, lack of understanding in the design of identification documents uh, itself, because there is no un universal identification document that you can create, which will work for every identification need. There are some needs which require you to have very minimal information. There are some needs which require you to have very specialized attributes of a person. Not all identification needs are identical. To actually store all identification attributes of an individual, in a single place is actually a huge risk that you subject the individual to. It's important to recognize that you should not be creating a clone of the individual. Yes. And you should be actually storing only those attributes which are essential 
for a transaction the basis of security less is more you know when you actually store everything you are going to subject the persons who are involved in the transaction to a huge amount of risk because if this data is compromised or it is misused or it is modified then the entire set of transactions undertaken with that identification document is completely fraudulent so therefore it is important to recognize that the banker has his own needs for identification the transport department has its own needs for identification the irs has its own needs for identification the health system has its own needs for identification you cannot and should not merge these needs for identification in order to create a single identification sure i hear your point on that but at the same time if uh, there is a national level impl- implementation let's say for example aadhar act then that would also require a un- unique and common hardware to be implemented across you know each and every entity you know in india or it, irrespective of whether it's uh, industries or businesses or you know uh, government uh, entities or uh, organizations or academia everywhere that unique you know machine would need to be there for for authenticating and when we have so many different uh, technology available and so many different operating systems and all different kinds of uh, unique you know processes and uh, technology that every organization uses their interoperability will also become you know big question i mean irrespective if you are talking within india or if you are talking about across you know national boundaries so that interoperability of those uh, of the technology and processes and devices and systems all will come into play so it re- it requires a standard a national standard at this point you know to uh, take a step towards that so is there a national standard on uh, not only the technology but the hardware and the software and all the processes that goes with it well as i highlighted earlier you know the real standard that you need is to understand what is the framework you create for identification documents so if that logical framework does not exist to create simply a standard for the kind of technology devices that you use will not really lend any meaning to the data if i were to actually explain this in a little bit more uh, you know computer science way then i can probably give you the example of alan turing who created the turing test in order to test the intelligence of a machine so he said simply that if you are not able to distinguish between the answers passed on to a room which has a computer and passed on to a room which has a human being then you would say uh, that the machine the computer is intelligent so sometime uh, in the 19 90s i think it was john searle professor of philosophy challenged the idea of the turing test and he said that look uh, he created actually what he called as a chinese room experiment and this chinese room experiment is basically uh, saying that i would equip an individual with a set of chinese characters i would give them a set of rules to put together the chinese characters into words and i would give them a set of rules to actually respond to chinese sent questions by putting together these words and responding to them now even if i do that and i am able to get this individual to start answering chinese questions the person does not understand the meaning of the questions or the meaning of the answers that are being provided so the point that cl made is that you cannot have intelligence without meaning yes so it's extremely important to have meaning so when you recognize this important ingredient of meaning and in identification 
the meaning does not come from the technology that you use it does not come from whether i use biometric readers iris scanners a particular brand of machines or a particular operating system and what its standards were or whether they were interoperable it actually comes from the fact whether i have a logical framework which can reproducibly allow me to identify the person of interest so it's extremely important for me to first evolve this framework and be able to ensure that this framework is standardized unfortunately today we find that this framework does not exist in wide practice we documented a preliminary framework in 2016 and published it in a journal however uh, it will take a few years before this framework actually spreads into practice across different identification needs across the world but it is extremely essential that we actually standardize that because that is what gives meaning to identification yes i i hear your point on that and if you don't mind can you please send me that framework by email if you could sure. i would i would like to review that but you make an excellent point on that that you know technology is just a means to uh, achieve our goals and we cannot let it define why the purpose of it i mean you know what is the value of it or what what goals we are trying to achieve it's we the humans we have to define the goals and we want to uh, make sure that we define these goals uh, you know appropriately so that we can achieve the goals using the technology and like right now you know there is a hype a lot of people are getting carried away just because technology is available let's just use it you know but why we want to use it and what for what purpose that you know those questions we have to define and we have to come up with proper answers just because technology is there that doesn't mean we need to use it so that that those are you know big questions that uh, society will have to Uh, evaluate not only for uh, ident this identification and authentication, but also the if we see the weaponization of artificial intelligence that is happening. Just because you know we have a technology, do we? Does that mean that we have to weaponize it and we have to put the entire humanity at risk? So there, are, these are big, big questions that we e each one of us individually and collectively collectively will need to. answer because this uh, is going to impact the very future of the humanity but at this point what concerns you most if we talk go back to the aadhar act for india i mean like you said you know this is a big mess right now so what can be done is is there a way to fix it or and if there is a way to fix it how to fix this well the first thing i would say is that uh, a single agency like the unique identification authority of india to identify individual makes sense only if they are given the legal responsibility of service delivery if they have no responsibility of service delivery for them to actually act as an outsourced mechanism to support identification makes no sense because identification is at the core of every transaction yes. the responsibility of identification rests with the person responsible for service delivery and that cannot be outsourced so i think by definition i would say that unless you restructure and simply say that no agencies shall do service delivery except the unique identification authority of india and it will be responsible for success or failure to deliver the service that they promise based on supporting identification only then can aadhar be fixed without that aadhar cannot be fixed if you look at any any banker if the banker was told that you know somebody else is going to identify who is doing the transaction you would have a complete money laundering mess as happened in panama for example so it's important for us to recognize that the banker will never give up a, a banker interested in making sure that there is legal honest transactions or a security officer interested in making sure that there is no terrorism and there is no crime 
will never outsource the process of identification to a third party which has no skin in the game. It's important to ensure that the critical processes in any, any process, critical part of any process cannot be outsourced. Yes. So yeah. you have to ensure it rests with the person who has legal liability and responsibility. True. No, that, that's excellent, you know, observation. So uh, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners and especially those nations who are at this point thinking of about, you know, using biometric technologies for national, you know, creating national ID, just like, you know, Aadhaar Act in India. What would you like to tell those nations, irrespective of that, if it, it is UAE or China or, you know, uh, Thailand or any other country that is uh, trying to go forward with this? I think uh, biometrics is an important technology. It can help uh, authenticate as long as you have some mechanism whereby you are using certified data uh, in order to authenticate. It cannot help you to identify. So uh, I think recognizing that and using biometrics for authentication may work to bring in some kind of uh, support, back-end support for some processes. For most processes that we undertake today in society, we do not need that level of sophistication. I think uh, if you can't trust your eyes, how can you trust something that you cannot see? I think the first thing that we need to recognize is that we need to build a world of trust, not a world of distrust. So when you start relying on things that you cannot see and where you need to have interventions of experts in order to confirm what you cannot see was indeed what the machine saw, then I think you start making a world which is immensely complex and complicated and you start you know, creating dystopias. So I think it would be extremely wise for countries to focus on creating, using technology to create systems of trust rather than systems of distrust. That's, that's also, also, what I would say is that it's important for countries to recognize that there can be no universal identity which can solve the problems identification needs of the various services that they need to deliver for their citizens and to ensure security of the nation or to ensure the security of the world. It is when you have different identification mechanisms and different identity silos, it actually ensures that the nation will not be compromised and that you will not have forces which are anti-national, which take over your control of your nation and uh, create massive fraud or massive terrorism. When you create a single ID, it is extremely easy to target a single ID and take control of the entire national system as against challenging an individual with half a dozen or a dozen different IDs which are used for different purposes and which are issued by different mechanisms and which capture different attributes. So I think it's important from a security perspective to learn from nature. Nature has a lot of redundancy. Nature does not work on efficiency. It actually works on resilience. So if we want to create resilient systems, not efficient ones, then I think we will ensure that the systems that we build will actually survive and help mankind to survive. If we build systems based on efficiency, we are actually creating systems that will fail. We are actually creating systems which are fragile because they have one point of failure. And we are reducing the points, all the points of failure to becoming a single point and it becomes easy for the system to fail. You create enormous risk. So it's important to allow systems to have their inefficiencies, 
it's important to allow them to have their redundancy create systems which have resilience and therefore you do need to take different perspectives you do need to have more people looking at the entire system rather than focus on narrow simple efficiency requirements for a process i very very well said i hear your point on that because we do need to develop uh, resilient systems if we want to survive and if uh, we want the future of humanity secure because if we are trying to redefine and redesign all these systems like you said trust needs to be at the center so we should not nations should not rush into developing systems and think through and have a really well planned you know design as well as implementation so that we can create resilient systems you know and based on trust so that's excellent you know uh, suggestions and points so thank you so much professor sara for participating in risk roundup today we appreciate your thoughtful insight and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided so even if a single nation or its decision maker can understand the complex process people and policy challenges and the global implications based on the discussion we had today about the implementation of uh, biometric based uh, uh, authentication and identification system this discount of dialogue has been of service with, and we thank you for that my pleasure thank you wonderful so risk roundup a global initiative launched by risk group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace geospace and space we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace they all walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations tradition becomes our security so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace let's manage the existing and emerging risks together for more information on the risk roundups to watch the risk roundup webcast or hear the risk roundup podcast please go to riskpolicy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share until next time i'm jayshree host of risk roundups signing off see you next time thank you